Thank you for joining us today for Wandering in the Word, where we read and discuss the upcoming week's lectionary texts at First Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota. Hey everybody, this is Wandering in the Word for Sunday, October 16th. Yay, the middle of October. And we are um, coming to you from the entryway of our sanctuary building where we can kind of hear the traffic from Broadway uh, a little louder than we thought, but... It's a, it's a fun place. I, I, we have not filmed a podcast from no. the front door ever. But I like these doors. Mm-hmm. Yes, so. that's why we are here. They have meaning. for the doors. They do. I mean, besides being very pretty and yeah. old. But, um, yeah, well, why don't, we, why don't we jump into our reading? And um, Melissa, do you want to read Luke? Sure. All right. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And he and the and the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust just judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Well, I always find this to be an interesting and just weird and kind of hard parable story that Jesus tells here. So, I don't know, what do you all hear? Uh, I hear kind of a caricature of the judge, for one thing. I mean, because... Jesus says in, in a certain city, so you know this isn't like a true like yeah. story, a true account of something, but um, in there, you know, once upon a time, there's this guy who was like a really terrible guy. Um, yeah. He has, he neither feared God nor had respect for people. Like, what a jerk. People, like, <laughs> how do you get to be the judge, right? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, he's just not, not a great guy. The one thing he has going for him is self-awareness. <laughs> because he gets to a point where he says to himself, um, self, though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, I'm going to do this. And so I just, that kind of just makes me chuckle. And that I imagine, yeah, some of Jesus here is kind of laughing amongst themselves, at least on the inside, um, hearing about this funny judge. Yeah, I love it. He's like, I am a terrible person. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's basically what he's saying to him. Uh-huh. He's like, I'm a terrible person, and yet this and woman's yet. getting what she asked for because she's annoying me. She, yeah, yeah. Not because I want to help her. Right? Yeah, because he's a jerk. Just, yeah. So yeah. Out of self-interest, this judge is going to help her. So what we should not hear in this parable is like, oh, God is like the unjust judge. Right? Yeah. That totally would not great. not be the point. Um, so what is the point? Um, the point, I think, is that um, <laughs> if even this caricature, villainous judge gives the woman what she wants because of her persistence, how much more will God, who is good and gracious and loving, hear your prayers and, and give you what you need? Yeah. Okay. 
Some, something like something that. Something like that? Okay. That's what I want it to mean, so. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is, um, yeah, I don't think we should try to put God into the position of judge here. I think that's wise. So Jesus should have picked a better metaphor then, maybe, or a parable, I should say, to maybe illustrate his point, but. It's like an opposite metaphor or something. Kind of, like, yeah, maybe. Interesting teaching tool here to be yeah. like, God's nothing like this guy, but this guy even, you know, accidentally did something good. So so, so what would it have been like to be a, a woman in first century mm-hmm. Palestine? Yes. What do we know about that? We know it was quite the patriarchal system back then, yeah. um, much more so than today. And um, because this woman was not just a woman, but a widow, that puts her in an even more precarious social situation. She doesn't have um, like a husband who will advocate for her um, in society or care for her. She must not have a, um, a son or some, you know, a man to help her <laughs> yeah. out. And so she's kind of like bottom rung and yeah. widows were in a really tough spot. And so you can... I mean, you can almost hear kind of the desperation, or you feel the desperation coming through this woman who keeps going back to the judge. She, I need you to grant me justice. Like, there's no other way I'm going to get it. Right? Yeah. I have nothing. I have no resources, no assets, no, no other recourse. Like, please give me justice. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I mean, her persistence is her, her agency, I guess you could say. It's what she has so to be... I mean, for lack of a better word, to be a, a bother, to be annoying yeah. to this person. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, I got a voice, I got time. We're yeah. going to use them both. <laughs> um, yeah. Because, yeah, the guy was not doing it because he was good. You know, I right. seen value in her or her case. He just wanted to get rid of her. I was listening a little earlier today um, to an interpretation or a commentary by a seminary professor of mine who was pointing out that just like we shouldn't put God in the role of the unjust judge, we don't need to put ourselves in the role of of the widow either necessarily because that was a very specific uh, role in society in first century Palestine. And we, um, in contrast to this woman, do have resources and we do have assets that we can use. And so yes, lift your prayers to God, Pray persistently, pray constantly, but also like get to work. And so, a lot of the things we pray for, we can participate in yeah. bringing about. And so, my my example was our our health. We can pray for good health through the the coming winter, and you know who knows what the flu is going to be this flu season. So let's let's pray for good health, but um, let's also go get our flu shots because God and science have revealed this sort of tool that we have in our yeah. toolkit, like. Stay home when you're sick, you know. Yeah, wash your hands. You know, um, that's good. That's that's good. I think it is interesting. I mean, because this is the Gospel of Luke, and we, you know, time and again we see Gospel of Luke is about you know raising up the lowly. You know, Jesus' mission is to the to cast the mighty down from their thrones and uplift the lowly of heart, as we sing in the Magnificat and all those kinds of things. Um, and so, I, I mean, I think there is kind of a deeper sense here that he's talking to folks about kind of like justice maybe more than just for this woman but like for like a society like mm-hmm. these people have been oppressed by an empire that's ruthless who puts judges in charge of them who have no fear of god and no anything for you know don't care about people at all and those are the people ruling them and so there is a sense of like i think to me i was thinking back to like exodus you know when the 
Israelites were in slavery and were crying out for help and God heard their cries and Moses and the Exodus all happened and all those kinds of things. It's like, you know, we, there's persistence, raising your voice um, it can change things, you know, like it, it, but it does also then require some action on our parts and showing up every day, raising our voice, using our voice um, in prayer and in public spheres to speak for the lowly and um, the outcast. I was thinking of, I think I mentioned this earlier, but like the, the women in Iran who um, the last couple of weeks have been you know, raising up mighty protests and things yeah. to a very severe and harsh um, patriarchal dictatorship, um, you know, trying to get some freedom for, for them and mm, every day. The morality police have been unjust the, in exactly, invading yeah. and killing citizens. So the, the, I think, yeah. I mean, we don't know what that's like no. in the United States, you know. But yeah, I think of that. And some of these themes, um, persistence and prayer, I was like, did I just do a sermon on this? <laughs> so I had to look back, and it's in Luke chapter 11, where Jesus is talking about persistence in prayer. So I'm like, maybe this is kind of an important thing that he's bringing it up uh -oh. again seven chapters later. Um, in Luke chapter 11, he uh, tells a different story about a guy who had a, uh, a house guest come in late. He didn't have any food to give him, and so there was no hospitality to offer. It was kind of a big deal. So he goes like up the road to his friend's house. He's banging on the door, and he's like, friend, can you share some bread with me? I have this house guest. I want to feed him. Like, I really need some bread. And the guy is like, go away. I'm in bed with my family. I'm not going to get up and unlock the door just to give you some bread. And uh, finally, because of the persistence of the guy banging on his door while he's trying to sleep, he gets up and gives him some bread and the guy gets, you know, some food to share with his house guest and, you know, the other guy gets to go back to sleep. So another, another angle. So it's basically just be a toddler. Sure. <laughs> Or as I noticed, teenagers even can be very persistent yeah. when they want something, you know. Well, this is just another aspect of being a child of God that we can oh. embrace it. Embrace it. There. So, good. Well, we have another story that's kind of all of its own thing, but a that's lot of a history one. attached to it. Um, I'll go ahead and read that one. That's Genesis 32, 22 to 31. The same night he got up and took his two wives. This is Jacob, by the way. Uh, took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok River. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise, everything he had, Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. 
awesome. This is just a very interesting kind of wacky story on its surface, you know. It um, is. Especially for, I mean, this is, this is a, a very, especially in Jewish communities, they have a very important story because it is how they, Israel gets the name Israel, how they get their name. But it is a very interesting story that is, leaves a lot to interpretation, which I think is kind of part of the fun mm -hmm. part of the story is it's not super clear what's going on. I think but. we can say right off the bat, like the, the tie into the gospel is the persistence, the persistence of Jacob who's yeah. just wrestling and rest like hour after hour after hour until finally the sun's going to come up and the guy's like, I got to go, <laughs> let me go. Yeah. And Jacob's like, I will not let you go until yeah. you bless me. And he gets a blessing out of the deal. He does. And a new name. And a bad hip. And a yeah. bad hip, yeah. Which for someone who's going to do a lot of walking. That's, that's true. unfortunate. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not admit, I can't help it when I hear the word wrestling, I, I just think like, you know, WWE <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff, you know, jumping on the top ropes and elbow drops and body slams. And <laughs> on the bank of a river. On the bank of a river. I mean, it probably wasn't quite, it's probably a little more like Olympic wrestling, but. I, yeah, I think it was two guys rolling around in the mud at the river's right. edge in the dark. Filthy, dirty. Stinky. You, yeah, the next day, I don't think we get uh, like the response of Jacob's family. Is they're like, "What happened to you?" Oh, yeah, I just wrestled with this guy. Um, but I do think it's interesting that um, the text says in um, verse 23-24, Jacob was left alone, and mm -hmm. so you imagine Jacob sitting on this riverbank by himself, maybe in the dark. He's sent all of his family and worldly possessions on ahead of him. And where he's going and where they're going is to, to meet up with, to confront, to see face to face his older brother Esau, from whom he had stolen a birthright and blessing. And we knew Jacob has run away because Esau wanted to kill him, mm -hmm. which is probably justifiable. Um, and so Jacob is looking forward to this in the morning. Well, I, I hope uh, my brother's army is gracious over. Yeah, you just you know, know what, what he's going to get so into. So much uncertainty, and I think we all know, after 2020 especially, what a challenge it is to live with uncertainty. And so I just think like it, it's, it's going to be a sleepless night on the riverbank for Jacob. And in, in the midst of all of that uncertainty and solitude, like of course God is going to come and meet you there. Because that... God, God meets us where we are, and so yeah. God shows up, and um, in the darkest moments, yeah. usually. And I think I think they wrestled because Jacob was a wrestler. I don't, you know no. what I mean? I think that Jacob, who from the time he was born, who was like grabbing his brother's heel, trying yeah. to be born first, and who's always trying to like manipulate people and situations. I think I think that's just who he is, and so when God meets him where he is, that's what happens. They yeah. wrestle. Yeah, it's in, yeah. It's uh, that line is is like verse twenty four is, is kind of the one you're referencing. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Yeah, it's like what? Like, which one is it? Like is yeah, he alone right. or? Um, and I know like a lot of rabbis and a lot of a lot of writings have gone into this. Like, what was going on? Was it like him wrestling with his uncertainty or with his fear? Was it um, you know like? Was he having like a vision of sorts, kind of? We were joking about like, 
mushrooms and things in a tech study. <laughs> like, but like, I mean, it kind of, the story lends itself to like kind of placing yourself into it and thinking more deeply about it. Mm, I'm just wondering. Um, a lot. Wondering about it. like, what does that mean? Like, you know, it's very interesting. We've been doing these confirmation interviews, and um, of, of the five or six kids I've interviewed, one of the questions I've asked each of them is, "When was a moment that you've experienced God?" And, and to a T, every single one of them talked about death. Mm. Not their own death, but like a death of a... <laughs> I'm glad you're not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you're not My interviews were not or... that scary, but um, but it's very interesting, like the death of a pet, a death of a grandparent, all of those moments. I mean, I didn't prod them in that direction anyway, at all, but they all named like a really hard moment for them being the time where they've experienced God the most closely. Mm -hmm. um, and I think back to my own life, and that there's a lot of... that that is true. It's in our darkest those fearful, yeah. sad moments that we usually are most aware of God's presence. Um, and Jacob seems to think he has wrestled with God. Not only that he's wrestled with him, but he's seen him face yeah. to face, which is like, could be a death sentence, really. Yeah. If you, you see the glory of God, you're supposed to die. Yeah. He's seen God face to face. It's, yeah. It's not nothing. Yeah, and he doesn't give up. He's, he's like... He must have had a really good like headlock on the, the guy. I'm like I'm not letting you go until it sounds like a brother kind of thing or sibling. Like if you're wrestling, you're like I'm not gonna let you go until you, you know, give me your cookie or something yeah. like that. <laughs> it's like um, kind of relatable, I guess. But um, yeah, mm. he gets a new name. I, you had said earlier, Brandon. I thought it was super cool. You, I mean, of all the weird stuff in this, like in the end, the moral of the story kind of is is that he was changed. God, you know, he was transformed by this experience. Even if we don't fully understand exactly what was going on or what everything means, like, in the end, he's changed. It's a story about transformation, and, I mean, just getting a new name is a pretty big indicator that yeah. a large change has taken place within him, maybe, but certainly within the relationship, and maybe, yeah, kind of a turning point for the future. And yeah. just so we don't leave a cliffhanger, um, when Jacob and Esau meet... And Jacob was sending sending all these gifts ahead, trying to assuage his brother's wrath. And Jacob walks up to Esau, and Esau just gives him a big hug and a kiss. So, they, phew. They reconcile. Yeah, yeah. Well, the last thing I was seeing it, and then um, was the, the last line. Um, you know, we talk about transformation and change, but it's not. He, he still has the scars mm -hmm. from the experience because verse thirty-one. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Yeah. And so I think of that with like grief and with other things. You know, like we, if, if we might still carry some of those scars, but we can still be transformed mm. by love and compassion and care, um, too. Yeah, and to take that one step further, I don't think it's in this chapter, but maybe um, there's a verse that says, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the meat yeah, yeah, yeah. in the hip socket of an animal. And it's out of deference to this huge story of, yeah. of transformation. It's to honor Jacob's experience and the, the scars that he bears that sort yeah. of tell this, tell this story. It's part of who he is and it's part of his experience. Um, and I think that's true for a lot of us, most any of us probably who have lived life. Like you carry some scars, either literal or you know emotional or spiritual or whatever they are. Um, but God is still there and God is still at work and making us new. So that 
It's a cool, interesting story. So, well, any closing thoughts on these two texts we have today? That's enough for today for me. Enough? All right. Well, same here. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us today for Wandering in the Word for October 16th, 2022. We are glad you could join us. For uh, Melissa, Pastor Brandy, and myself, we will talk to you again soon. Bye. Thank you for joining us today for another Wandering in the Word podcast here at First Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota. 